Hi guys, you're listening to Bell Hooks and Jaws on Radio Fodder with Sam and Danushi. Um, yeah. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. I hope everybody's having a good week. We mm. actually are re- uploading two weeks in a row. That's a real. <gasps> that's almost rough. neurotypical and almost. No, it's not. Honestly, no. <laughs> And um, normally abled, almost neurotypical and normally abled. Well, we would say that, but this is this episode today. The researching for this almost broke Danushi. Yeah, no, it really did. It's broken me. Like, Having to read Spivak talk about Derrida broke me. Yeah. And I look, I did get a voice memo of, I don't know if I can keep doing the podcast at all. But guess what? We're back, baby. We're back and we're better than ever. Yeah, exactly. Um, Before we jump in, I have Mm. um, some exciting news for us. Mm -hmm. So I, as some of you may know, I do all the um, editing and the the work on the distribution side of things, uh, (laughs) which means... I'm logged into the email account. Danushi isn't, but that's okay. Um, so I got an email today that apparently we are number 77 in the society and culture charts for Turkey. Mm-hmm. And you know what that means? Shout, that out, means to our, li- shout out to our Turkish fans. Anyway, <laughs> um, also the other thing I have to say is that, so I've been looking at the, like, I'm addicted to looking at the stats. I'm addicted yeah. to, you know, reloading the page. The, and the, the analytics. The analytics. Because so one thing some of you guys may have noticed is we had a bit of a fuck around last week with um, distribution because I decided, I found out firstly that if we used Anchor, which is owned by um, Spotify, that we mm. could keep the music in. So yeah. if you're listening on Spotify for all of our episodes except our first one, which I haven't gotten around to yet, um, oh. you can listen to music, if, listen to the music that we put in in between the segments. Which um, we put a lot of thought into our music, to be we, honest. We like it really, we try to make it a dimensional experience with yeah, the music. Yeah, there's layers. Yeah, like there's always layers. An onion or yeah. an ogre. Um, yeah. So... Yeah, I'm addicted to that. We had a bit of a mess around because, like, um, my uh, – so I moved us over to Anchor and then um, – And now we're stuck. Ba-dum. Well, the, the, the music- jokes keep getting worse. Do you get that joke, Anchor? <laughs> oh, I do now. <laughs> I move us over to Anchor and then I do all the stuff and then I find out that because – I've moved everything to Anchor and I put the music in. <gasps> now that I put the music in, it's only available on Spotify. Oh. So I'm like, what is all that mean? work and for nothing? Okay. So what does this mean for us? So it meant that I had to reclaim the old RSS feed. Okay. And so now we're technically using two RSS feeds, but hopefully you guys don't know the difference. Email us, uh, DM us on Instagram or on Twitter if you do notice a difference. Okay. That's and also if you'd like to, if you'd like to jars on Twitter. Mm-hmm. 
perfect yeah, yeah follow our new twitter we've follow got a new, new twitter. twitter that's a new that's a new update in the last week we got it we got a twitter because i was sick of doing the self-promo all from my account and danush doing it all from theirs and i was like let's just have one place why not no you're so you're yeah. so right for that um so uh, one thing about us is that we will be streamlining everything so that we enter stardom podcast stardom immediately yeah exactly well as we've said before we didn't grow up in the early 2010s to not know how to be niche micro influence no exactly i we didn't grow up in the internet age to not know how to drive traffic exactly um so yeah even though twitter is literally i i opened the twitter account on the day that the elon announcement was made Mm -hmm. and i Mm -hmm. was like is it worth it let me work it i put my thing down i flipped it and reversed it um and then the the good thing is that it looks like elon's not gonna buy twitter now oh what's going on um basically like he had to get a loan out for to buy it (laughs) um (laughs) couldn't even pay in cash couldn't pay in cash and the collateral he put for his loan (laughs) was wasn't even money it was shares in tesla okay right but it was way more shares than he owned no, it's way more shares in Tesla than it make than it was believed that the shares were valued at. So he's done a self-own and admitted that the shares are much ah, lower than they okay. actually are. Um, and ah, also it's just generally nice. like just not looking like it's gonna go through. Oh, thank yeah, thank the heavens. Yeah. God is and, real. Yeah. God is real. Jesus walks. And is a woman. <laughs> the other, yeah, so we've been watching Kardashians. Yeah. Um, and the other, the other like um data news Ooh. I have oh. is that um, so we according to our analytics, we were getting a big listenership from Ashburn, Virginia. And I was ready to shout out our listeners in Ashburn, Virginia. Um, if you do live in Ashburn, Virginia, and you're listening, hi, hi, besties. Hi, love you. Shout out. Oh, my god. But goodness. the thing is, apparently, because I Googled the place because I was like, I wanted to say something topical. And then the first, the second, like, page I saw when I Googled Ashburn, Virginia was, why do I get so much tr- click traffic from Ashburn, Virginia? Oh, no. VPNs. Yeah. Apparently, it's it's not just yeah. VPNs, but it's also apparently um, Amazon routers out of there. Oh. So people, <laughs> like, yeah, it's also, oh. yeah, so that's that. Um, oh, my God. Also, can I just mention something really quick here yeah so, so tangential cha- tangential tangential yeah mm, that was not going to come out but okay. my friend um who let's just say is neurodivergent af just like us is scared so scared of google mm. that he has bought service space in finland so that he can store his data in a way that is like he's trying to live a non-Google life. So he's coded 
coded some kind of interface so that he could store his data in Finland. Every six months, I get really afraid of big data. Yeah. And I like delete my Facebook Messenger and I deactivate my Instagram. I never leave Twitter because I'm so addicted to Twitter. Please follow me, Buddhist Butler. Um, (laughs) Please do. Yeah. Sam's so funny on Twitter. Oh, thank you. You really are. Thank you. Um, Yeah. And one thing, a metric that I've come, no, so true, and as it should. But one thing I came up with this week after some, a bit of bitching with Sam was the retweeting to own tweet ratio is a great way to figure Mm. out if someone has their own personality yeah yeah that that information is free and you can use that as you please to judge people (laughs) yeah that's that's the the danushi rule the danushi metric yeah is if yeah somebody's got more retweets than they do their own material that's a sign that they're not that good at twitter and they're not good at all at twitter because well, I thought you were going to say not good, full stop. <laughs> the thing about Twitter is um, I think one good thing that my ADHD provides me, but mm. then I have to reel myself back in on, is mm. especially the way I use Twitter because, mm. you know, people know that it's me and, like, I do, like, have people that I respect follow me. Mm. So not that I don't respect my friends, but, like, people that are more advanced than me in musicology and stuff following me Mm. so I have to like kind of walk the line between being hilarious and being um too crude and also like okay so the other day I'm Mm. gonna share it on the pod because I can't tweet it I Mm. wanted to make this tweet that I told Danushi about Mm -hmm. I texted Danushi I say Danushi is this one too spicy to tweet am I gonna Mm. get people who don't know me personally dming me asking if i'm okay Mm -hmm. and the tweet was wish i was a virgin so i was still allowed to commit suicide (laughs) because you know virgin suicides it's like you know my bit is that like i'm dumb and i thought that the movie was like saying that you're only allowed to commit suicide if you're a virgin if you're a virgin Oh, that's um, so good. It was a many-layered bit, but yeah. I know that people will just misinterpret that and be yeah. like, wow, Sam's really not mentally well, which I never am, but I'm not like that. I'm not at that level right now. No, yeah. And also it's just, I just think I it's also, funny. I thought it was I funny. Also, yeah, I also don't want people to get the impression that I'm mentally ill, like the, uh, the way that other people are mentally ill. I'm mentally ill in a you're different way. You're your own way. way. Yeah, you're in special type of illness. <laughs> yeah, just for Danushi. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's why I've stopped just like, like no longer am I depressed in the like Belgia, um, I can't think of anything else. Otessa, oh, mi- Otessa yeah, Moshe. Mit- yeah, Mitski. Mitski. No, I'm, I'm. This is like, yeah, I'm. My mental illness is different than yours. Yeah, <laughs> I'm. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. What else should we? we... No, please. Well, I just wanted to say, uh, one update I have in the week mm-hmm. life update mm-hmm. is that I will be having more surgery. Mm-hmm. Second laparoscopy mm-hmm. in six months. Ooh. Slay. Slay. Um, so 
and that will be on the 17th of May. So please send well wishes. Um, mm-hmm. I'll be zooted on Oxy. Woo. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we'll probably record the Monday and I'll just like queue mm-hmm. it all up to be ready to oh. go out. And maybe and then by a, and then by the week after we'll be we'll I'll be yeah. good to do again. But yeah. yeah. I was gonna say maybe this is gonna be a good moment for me to learn how to do some of the back end stuff so that yeah you don't have to do, do everything. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. could be very nice. Yeah. You can learn how to use garage band. Oh yeah. yeah um yeah. so there's that. Any do we have any other news? Uh, well I've started a new form of therapy which is really mm. helping and so I feel like all the listeners out there would will, will be happy to know that I'm actually cured yeah you're no but in all seriousness I feel like this new therapist is genuinely helping me regulate my emotions a lot more so I'm very grateful to be to have found this. And on that note, shall we throw to a song? Yeah. Um, What's the so song? Just for a bit of context. Yes, for a bit of context, this this coming episode is going to be about all about um, South Asian post Southeast Asian post colonial feminisms, and so the song song song. Please cut that out. So the song no, that we're gonna, in. it's saying it. Don't. it will. It's staying in. I think it's racist if you keep that in. Um, <laughs> your first language is English. We've covered this on the pod already. <laughs> um, so the first song that we'll be playing is "If Only" by Ravina, 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 who is yeah. a brown lesbian. So let's go. Oh, yeah, let's go. Iconic. This is If Only. If Only. This is Bell Hooks and Jars on Radio 40 with Sam and Tanushi. Welcome back. That was If Only by Ravina. You're listening to Bell Hooks and Jars on Radio Fodder. I'm bringing us in because I've not done any research for this episode. Probably should have. Probably. Maybe I should have. But I didn't. Tanushi was like, I want to do an episode on post-colonialism, and I was like, okay, so I'm going to watch Gilmore Girls for the next week. Mm. Well, that's, that's you're really <laughs> decolonizing by watching Gilmore Girls. I think so. Um, yeah, that's, that's praxis. I did that's watch praxis some, right there. I, I did watch some Dairy Girls the other day. <laughs> so that's, yeah, that's, and, you know, as an Irish person. Yeah. A person of yeah, colour, yeah, yeah. Irish. Um <laughs> I hope everybody enjoys and gets that joke. Person of colour, green. <laughs> green, orange. So true. Yeah. Oh, love those um, colours. But I'm green. I'm I'm Catholic, so. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm from, my family's from the Republic. But, uh, yes, so I, and also I've been, like, kind of sick. I Well, I had my period and that's always a nightmare. So, Danusha's going to take the reins and I'm just going to sit here and go, uh-huh, oh, so interesting. So true bestie. So true bestie. Or if, um, yeah, so it's, Danusha's done a lot of um, reading for this, a lot of very difficult reading. So I think mm-hmm. Danusha deserves some praise. Um, maybe, everyone. Maybe follow her on Twitter or Instagram. 
thank you yes I will take links um, in the show notes I'll take reparations in the form of follows and likes yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly and speaking, yeah so yeah that's that um speaking of reparations yeah, yeah. <laughs> this episode is about post-colonialism and post-colonial feminisms and so I'm gonna keep this really basic and fundamental just because I think that's where that's I think what my skill set is is to kind of take things down and give people just words and concepts that Mm. they can use to navigate their gender gendered experienced with yeah yeah post-colonialism and this is um my own interpretation so this is taken from she's, she's yeah. definition. defining yeah. your terms better than i yeah, do yeah i just be like yeah sorry as a, google, google that in it home. <laughs> <laughs> you know um, i would anyway yeah and there's nothing uh and you're so right for that i spend too much um, time as a slave to zotero trying to get my references right so so that's not happening on the podcast anyway yes yes, oh real quick are you a zotero not an Ednote? i'm a zotero enjoyer wow i'm an Ednote kind of i believe that the best one is the one that you know how to use so true yeah so true okay so like i'm not gonna yes yeah and i i respect that yeah see this is we can coexist everyone yeah see irish (laughs) and sri lankans coexistence but I'm Irish Jess that has to be that that's going to be the I'm going to make that yeah 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 yeah, yeah. okay or or maybe Uh, a photo of um the the screenshot of of Jess and um and Kira Knightley like oh yeah so true so true okay um so essentially like to me post-colonialism is really like it's a field of study but I also see it as a form of resistance so post-colonialism like post-modernism and post-structuralism it like that post suggests um but after like continuation but not yeah so I think essentially what post-colonialism is is critically analyzing things the way they are today through through the lens of it being a product of colonialism and the colonial project yeah and so like uh, maybe like looking at the world today keeping in mind the colonization that occurred exactly as um and I think that's why um post-colonial feminism is Mm. is different from intersectionality I think Mm. that's a point I really want to make was that post-colonial so post-colonial um gender studies or feminisms is looking at gender constructions as a product of the colonial project yeah and so that that makes it different from intersectionality even though it's like interlinked in the sense that intersectionality looks at race and class can i share a hot take yeah i think that um intersectionality is one way to look at um marginalization but I Mm -hmm. don't think it's the best way Mm -hmm. and I think um if we instead of being like because I think it can lead to sort of like a 
oh, who's the most oppressed? Mm, no, I'm exactly. literally neurodivergent. Minor, and if and 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 gay and a yeah, queer. yeah, exactly. no, exactly. No, it can lead to that kind of thing. And exactly. my kind of philosophy is like, yeah, I'm gay and afab, and my gender's whatever, and I am disabled and whatever. But um, I think that's it's more of like a like a class issue. Mm. And I think people, liberals are, and I mean little L liberals, are too afraid to talk about how it's all just capitalism. Mm. This is a great tweet from our friend Rory, oh, which yeah. is, I'm going to lock all my friends in a room and threaten them with class reductionism. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Rose. Shout out to Rose. We know you listen and we love yeah. you so much. Yeah. And no, you're so right. And I think that's um, that. Can can we revisit class? Let's do very, another episode in, on class. Yes, and also in the next. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Of we'll this podcast back. because but, and, yeah, mm-hmm. an important yes, exactly, and an important Sorry. distinction between intersectionality and post-colonial feminisms is that, in my opinion, intersectionality is still very much centers the metropole and I think it's very individualist exactly exactly because also like post-colonialism like colonialism happened because capitalism the east India and west India trade companies they went to get the spices so that they could be wealthy and to exploit the people and, you know, that's how the slavery happened. That's yeah, how... and, and to that I say, why do you only put salt and pepper on your chicken then? Exactly, exactly. This, so my ancestors died for nothing. You're not even going to yeah. chuck some, I don't even know what, like get some spice, rub on that, some turmeric. Yeah, some oh, yeah. Coriander. I was texting you the other day about this, how like. Oh, Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know how English people have survived this long because they must be so deficient in micronutrients because they don't use any spices. No, exactly. Exactly. They've all probably got scurvy. So true. And rickets. <laughs> so true. And and so two important um, terms which Sam would have told you to Google, but I'm going to tell you what they are because that's so just the generous. kind of... So, so generous. Exactly. I'm, uh, so the first term I kind of want to introduce everyone to is this term doubly colonised, which is um, which was conceptualised, brought to the public domain by K- K- Kirsten Holst-Peterson and Anna Rutherford. And so this idea, um, so it came from one of their publications in 1980s, and it is that this idea that women, in quotation marks, are subject to both um, colonial power and male domination. So they are um, they are ostracized by both, you know, the imperial power and also by mm. um, the patriarchy, and it is not in a and. So those powers are obviously they overlap. It's not just an um, a, a a simple addition of the two. So those mm. those two different types of power they 
they um, work together, right? So especially mm. like when you think about post-colonial nations, mm. um, the, the invasion had actually, a, the invasion really changed gender, the existing native gender relations. Like I've read mm. some stuff about how just the militarization and that kind of um, violent conquest changed um, it not changed but it formulated a new form of native masculinity in these post-colonial um, nations like yeah. that, that violence like I mean it makes sense right if you incite I, violence on a people you you fragment them and you frag so I feel like masculinity in these na- this is this is not, I'm not citing anything because... I might cite something here. Yeah. Um, it is called Governing Gender and Sexual- Sexuality in Colonial India, C, 1850 to 1900. And it is mm-hmm. about the... I'm Who's gonna, it by? It is a, by Jessica Hinchy. Ah. It is a book about the... I'm going to give a brutalised pronunciation of this. Hijira... Mm-hmm. Um, which is pre-colonization, India, mm-hmm. South Asia had a third gender. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So, That's another thing to kind of um, note here is oh, that... I don't know enough about it, so maybe, like, there are yeah. still Hijira people. I don't know if that's the pronunciation. Yeah. Email me in your um, criticisms. You can send a yeah. voice memo on Spotify now. Please do. <laughs> Please do. I also don't know enough about that, but I or what I can say yeah. is that the the gender binary obviously is yeah. a colonial imposition because, um, like for example, in Pakistan, there's actually a big community of trans women. Yes, and they are. I'm not sure exactly how they're treated, but I don't think like maybe they are tokenized and maybe like what's the word like oh you you looked at as though they are like different but I think it's um I think they do get some they have they societally they get a certain level of respect yeah there's respect for their identity and that the Mm. class that they belong to yeah and I think one of the interesting things there is that like I don't know when we're talking about post-colonialism I think we should like just because we don't talk about colonies in quotation Mm. marks anymore colonization is enduring like we're recording from Australia of course where that is a huge issue sovereignty has not been ceded Mm -hmm. um and also you know keeping in mind palestine Mm. obviously but i think if we're using post-colonialism it gives us a great and also also you know talking about my (laughs) myself as a person of color like ireland northern ireland is still colonized by the british um uh some just quickly, Trixie Mattel, drag queen. Her merch recently 
it was like a, she's she's on tour and her tour t-shirt on the back it like lists all the tour dates mm-hmm. and it cited it put like Belfast Island mm-hmm. not Northern Ireland which oh, are because okay. Belfast is in Northern Ireland which is a separate com- country to the Republic but oh. um so people would somebody tweeted like oh my god Trixie says United Ireland <laughs> and I love that mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, but yes that- that reminds yeah. me of um, this this restaurant on Brunswick in Brunswick on Sydney Road, which mm. is a which means nothing to anyone that's not in Melbourne, but that's but it means okay. everything to Melbournians. Yeah, <laughs> if, and then they just have a um, a Pakistani slash Indian food um, restaurant, Amazing. and I'm like, they sell partition. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. That's right. That's beautiful. Um, and so one thing, the point you made about col- colonialism enduring, I think that's one thing to note about the term post-colonialism is mm. it is not to suggest that it is after colonialism. No. No. It's just looking at, it's just. It's keeping colonialism in mind. No, exactly. It is. Yeah. It is at the centre of your critical analysis and you see things at as a product of mm. colonialism yeah um, and then so we talked about doubly colonized tell me about is, the subaltern yes subaltern. That's, exactly, that's exactly what I was going to get to so, so is this a Spivak term is that her no no uh, so it's not her no. neologism do you know no. whose neologism it is it's that Italian do you want me to guy. google oh is it Gramsci yes yeah, it was Gramsci yes I remember we yes. read I so while I said I didn't do any research, I did read half. I read half a paper with Danushi over Zoom. We read it aloud because it was was a paper, and I did a bit of helping. We read aloud and then gave little summaries of what the paragraphs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Some Um, skills I've learnt from my Freud reading group. Shout out to George uh, if you're listening. Yeah, (laughs) love George. But yeah, so this idea of um, uh, women in post-colonial nations being doubly mm. colonized leads mm. uh, because they're um ostracized by both um imperialism and uh patriarchy we've been through that and so that leads on to this next term the subaltern which was um fair, which was conceptualized by what's the name sorry Gramsci Antonio yeah. Gramsci yes um he was do you want me to give a little bio uh Please. So Antonio Gramsci was an Italian communist who was imprisoned by Mussolini uh, during Mussolini's uh, reign. I don't know. Um, And while he was in prison, he wrote the prison notebooks, which are, you know, you hear notebooks, you're like, oh, they're going to be like a short little quick read. No, they're very, very, very long. I don't personally know anybody who's read them. I know people who've read bits of them. But uh, he coined. Um, I know someone who has. I know someone who's read. Yeah, them. we do know one person who's read all of it in the original Italian. Uh, shout out to Nigella Lawson, Lawson. allegedly. We know you're listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, he prison notebooks. So from him, we get the subaltern. We also get hegemony. Yes. Hegemony. Hegemony. I say hegemony because I think it sounds nicer. It rolls off the no, tongue. You're so right for that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yes. So this idea of subaltern is um, the, sorry, I just 
we're filming a podcast and I thought, why don't I just cover my mouth? So I'm going to not do that. It's okay. Um, so yeah, and, it's, and it's doubly oppressed, right? Yes, it's doubly oppressed. And it comes from, so altern, meaning altern, like the alternative, alternative cast. And then right. subaltern means even lower than. Right, and yeah. uh, one thing that um, scholars say is that it's not just a euphemism for um, or just another word for um, oppressed people. Like mm. it's it's very specifically for people from the the global periphery who yeah. are global south that are um, that are marginalized on different terms, but also then globally mm. marginalized because yeah. of the, of capitalism, really, yeah. and just like. It it's essentially it's not a term that should be used uh, loosely. No, like it's a very um, specific exact uh, term post, for specific, specific people. Post-colonial term, exactly. Yeah. And Spivak um, made it more specific, right? Yes, yeah. Spivak made it more specific. She elaborated on the term um, uh, subaltern and then brought it into post-colonial feminism. Yeah. And I think now we should go to a break. We've is mentioned it, Spivak, 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 but we're going to... It's foreshadowing for the next segment. Yes, exactly. This is to Bell Hooks and Jars on Radio Fodder. We hope you're enjoying. This is Any Day by Riz MC. I'm actually proud of... <laughs> <laughs> I'm proud of us too, Danushi. Welcome back. This is Bell Hooks and Jazz on Radio Fodder. You're with Sam and Danushi. Danushi's proud of us for how we're doing, and so am I. So we were talking about post-colonialism, post-colonial feminism, and the subaltern before we went to the song Any Day by Riz MC. Featuring who, Danushi? Jay Sean. But yeah, we were talking about the subaltern. So that was a bit mm. of a is a bit of a foreshadowing for what we're talking about next. Yeah. Spivak, 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 and Spivak. Before we dive in, um, can you mm. give us a bit of a who? Who is Spivak? Yeah. So Spivak is a first name. Gayatri. We- yeah, her name's Gayatri Chuck Chakravorty Spivak. I'm so sorry. I can't do the middle name, <laughs> but yeah. Gayatri Spivak. Yeah. Um, um and so they were. They She's are still alive. Stella in yeah. yes, um, girl boss. Um, Real girl boss. And I would ask everyone out there to Google just to see her face. Also, just... go watch some videos of her talking. Yeah, she's something we found in our readings of her is she's not afraid to Mm-mm. call a bitch out. No, she she's is not afraid to say exactly what's on her mind and then get it published in a journal exactly and she's even less afraid to say exactly what's on her mind when she's in conversation with people Ugh. so yeah you know um we spoke about uh i can't remember their name but if you go back to our mel gaze episode Melvi? no the other oh, um, person i talked person. about yeah yeah, yeah. Can't remember na- their name, but there is a video. You can, you can, like, once again, go listen to our podcast. You'll find out their name. Mm. Um, uh, once again, driving traffic. 
<laughs> we know how to do it. There's a conversation of them talking to Spivak. And, oh, um, no way. Yeah. A little okay. great overlap for the podcast. Yeah. Go find that on YouTube. That's what you call a callback. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, Spivak, tell us. Yeah, so they are, I would say, a post-colonial scholar, a psychoanalyst yeah. as well. Uh, so they're also a Deridian. <laughs> yeah, Deridian. Um, can yeah. I tell the the iconic Spivak story about the Derrida? No, please do. So the, oh, the yes, other thing about Spivak is that they are, um, she is uh, multilingual. She's mm-hmm. a polyglot. So mm-hmm. Derrida's De la Grammatologie, of Grammatology, um, needed to be translated into English. I think it was Stanford University Press. Okay. They uh, said to her, hey, can you please um, translate this? And she was like, mm, yeah. Actually, yeah. It, was, it was John Hopkins, John, John Hopkins mm-hmm. University Press. She said, yeah, mm, I could if you let me include a 70-page intro. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they were like, damn, okay, do that, I guess. So that was a very girl <laughs> boss move. So yeah. she's translating that from French to English. Yeah. Neither French nor English are her first language. She's from Calcutta. She is probably, um, so she's probably the most well-known translator of mm. uh, Mahashwatha Devi, who is a yeah. Bengali poet. And so she's yeah, Bengali, yeah. Yes. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure Spivak is also Bengali, even though. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, right, and she right also out, write to us and tell us. Write in. Write in. Um, but so they've led a lot of the scholarship on that Bengali um poet's work. As she's well. and she, but she's also like, yeah, she's she's honestly like a she did all of this literary criticism stuff and then in the 80s she moved into just talking about literary criticism into being this like leader in post-colonial thought Mm -hmm. she has Mm -hmm. 11 honorary doctorates that's insane that's insane most people get one yeah 11 She's got like, I, from, okay, I'm going to read out the universities. Yeah. University of Toronto, University of London, Oberlin, Universitat Rovira Virgili. It's in Spain. I didn't know where I was going with that pronunciation. Uh, Rabinda Bharati University, which is in Calcutta. Universidad Nacional de San Martín in Argentina. Ooh. St. Andrews in Scotland. Ay, 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 ay. <laughs> Uh, uh, what language am I in? Vincent Saint-Denis, it's France, one of the French city universities. Um, Editing Sam here. Uh, I'd like to apologise for that pronunciation. It was awful. I do actually speak French. Um, But my brain just stopped working. I was very tired and I'd just been trying to pronounce a lot of Spanish, so... Université Saint-Denis. It's one of the public universities in Paris. Presidency University, which does not have a Wikipedia page. Interesting. Mm. Yale, she's got 
an honorary doctorate from Yale and <laughs> just the university, casually. yeah, University of Ghana, mm. Ghana Legon. Wow. She's just got stacks on stacks of Jesus. credentials. So yeah, what does she say? And yes, so essentially, so we talked about the idea of the subaltern. And so she wrote this essay, Mm. Can the Subaltern Speak? And that was really... That was 88, right? Yes, I think so. Yeah, I just just saw it on a Google. Yeah. And so, yeah, so that's really what brought the idea of sub the subaltern into feminism or post-colonial feminism and so that essay was actually a response Mm. to an interview by an interview with um, Deleuze and Foucault Foucault. yes and Deleuze yes yes and so essentially what Spivak does in this essay can the subaltern speak is that she uses that interview with Foucault and uh, and Deleuze who are she uses that as a springboard to talk about the idea and maybe even the need for the representation of the subaltern subject Mm. so Mm. what what she notices from um the interview is that Foucault and Deleuze they they situate their commentary um on this idea of a universal subject or a subject that yeah. has a level of has some level of autonomy to represent themselves and mm. they they say they have the they say that this subject has a concrete experience and therefore we as the intellectuals can afford to be transparent and allow these these universal subjects to represent themselves Yes, um, which is a very French uh, mid-20th century way of looking at things. Yes. What Spivak wants to do in this essay is to deconstruct that idea and get to the bottom of can the subaltern, so this specific subject, do the same thing? Can they represent themselves? And the answer is no. Uh, no. And what Spivak is saying in this essay is that, wait a minute, That is a very Eurocentric way to look Mm. at it. So what she's saying is in, like, obviously Foucault and Deleuze are very, um, what's the word? Not leftist, like very radical. They're very radical. Yeah, they're very um, radical. But even um, even in those efforts, they still maintain the subject of the West and she and also the male subject exactly and so she she does say hey like I understand that I'm looking at an interview of these two people and not a Mm. published work but she says wait a minute if we look at this more organic conversation between these two people we can we're more able to see how ideology or should I say ideology? <laughs> ideology. Um, you guys are listening are so un- <laughs> you're so unlucky that you didn't get to see my visual performance of that small uh. um, interpretation of Zizek's <laughs> behaviors. But yeah, so Spivak says, I'm use I'm looking at this more casual encounter of these two peoples um, intentionally because I'm more able to see like ideology and uh, yeah ideology work and operate 
mm. and it's not polished as it would be in a published work. So she yeah. says, hey, wait a minute, these two philosophers or peoples are saying pe- all peoples or all subjects are able to represent themselves because they live the experience and they, and as, is it, um, I can't remember if it's Deleuze, but I think it is Deleuze that says, hey, when subjects touch power or come into contact with power, they will then realize and be able to like counter that. Something yeah. like that. Um, yes. I don't know this text. Yes. Once again, write us in if we're wrong. Once again, also, mm, I'm going to play the race card if you tell me that I'm wrong. <laughs> uh, no, so essentially like it doesn't it's not real it doesn't it's not really super important what these two old philosophers said about this thing yeah it's more so this idea that even radical french felt new like french continental philosophy even in trying to be so critical will maintain the subject of the yeah. west so yeah. again that what spivak is trying to uh trying to um bring to the forefront is this idea of what she calls the global division of labor Mm. which is um you know which is this idea that class struggle is isn't um the same in the global periphery it's different and um I actually do you want do you can you elaborate on that that phrase a bit global division of labor well, my when I'm thinking of it, it's saying to yeah. me, like, being a being a working class person in Australia or America, yeah. mm-hmm. the developed world, the, the global north, is a very different experience to being a working class person in the global yeah. south. Yeah. And, you know, we look on our clothes tags from our $2 T-shirts from mm-hmm. Kmart. Yes. And where does it say it's made? Made in Bangladesh. Yes, exactly. Um, and, you know, capitalism is going to try to yes. find the cheapest way to produce things. Yes. And the cheapest way to do that is to get workers who are paid unlivable wages. No, exactly. Exactly. It's, it's slavery with a few cents an hour to make them feel yeah. better about it. Exactly. Um, and they're working in unlivable conditions mm-hmm. you know the that building that collapsed mm. where yeah. was that Sri Lanka or Bangladesh no it wasn't Sri Lanka but I think it might have been Bangladesh yeah yeah that it, that was like H&M's factory yeah um and killed hundreds of people and it's yeah. often women working in these factories yes exactly and children yes exactly yeah. um so yeah, what Sam um, brings up is that 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 phrase "global division of labor" obviously applies to material production, mm. but I also think it applies to knowledge production as well. Which oh, absolutely. Um, so, which is I think Spivak talked about in this in that other essay we were reading, and that so often um, the periphery or the global south is a mine for knowledges, Mm. but they are never the people that are producing the knowledge. It's always people from the West that are the, Mm. the, the knowledge, like they're the people that publish. Like the arbiters of knowledge. Yes, arbiters, exactly. They're the people that is the way 
excavate is that the word ex, ex potentially yeah you could yeah use that. They, yeah so they excavate the knowledges from these data mines but again that if if the people from the periphery are not the people that are um re-representing their own knowledges and obviously they have no autonomy in this knowledge production mm. so that idea the global division of labor has both material and um immaterial <laughs> has both material and immaterial uh, uh what's ramifications word? ramifications yeah thank you so much for just knowing exactly we share my brain. one brain one big brain so yeah mm, sorry one big about brains it. not many cells floating around though we say as we're have, talking doing a podcast <laughs> about post-colonial feminisms yeah we try to stay humble i said yeah. i guess what what else do you have to say about speedbox mm. um and i'm just trying to remember oh yes and so what she uses is this example of this practice of what um in i think it's from nativist india this practice of sati which is when Mm. a widow would sacrifice um yes themselves Mm. and she uses this as an example of uh, to exemplify that hey this subaltern these colonized women they might not be able to talk for themselves Mm. so Mm. what she brings about this example so nativist india so post pre-colonial india they took they obviously had their Hindu scriptures and from that they they uh, extrapolated some verses and they came up with this practice, which is um, the practice of sati, which is where widows would um, sacrifice themselves. And so it was and it was not to get too detailed, but it was a situation of like into the fire yeah a, a funeral yeah fire that exactly and person and the widow would throw themselves apart yeah. yeah and here um i think it's important to note that that is a specific interpretation of the hindu scripture and there are it's kind um, of a cultural thing yes not exactly. just a religious thing exactly and so what the idea of being doubly colonized comes in here because that nativist patriarchal reading of that text kind of forces the widow into Mm. that situation but then um the colonizers came in and they banned this practice so they banned this practice to it which permeated this idea that hey we need to save brown women from Mm. the brown men and Mm. so in both these um cases the woman obviously the where 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 is she mm. she she's not going to get any say in what's no going on. in either or no. and so um again so that that the european uh imposition has like a lot of other things like that obviously has a lot of implications because it positions brown men in a certain way and mm. this that and the other mm. but um but yeah, so in both of those cases, you can see that, you know, the the subaltern can't speak. No. And so, and then so we have that practice of sati, and then after that, she talks about this um, 
woman who later took their own life. I'm so sorry. I can't find the name, but there was this woman that, um, that took their life. She took her life on her period. So, Mm. so that in order to say that, Hey, I didn't take my life because of infidelity or something. Mm. And so here, um, I'm so sorry. You can, you can, we'll put the name of this person in the story in the show notes. It's escaped me. But essentially Mm. this person um, took their life on their period to be like, hey, I'm not taking myself because I'm an infidel. Like, because I'm not, I'm not pregnant. I'm on my period. No, exactly. And so again, uh, Spivak um, brings up this example to show, hey, this person is trying to use their body uh, as a script. And to say mm. something with their body. But later mm. on, um, like a lot of, oh, like the succeeding like generations of people mm. still kind of frame her as being um, an infidel, like that. Adulterous. Yeah. And so, she, again, Spivak uses these as example signifiers of how, hey, these women even when they try to use their body to speak so the most like mm. is it corporeal like the most corporeal, like yeah corporeal like script to speak with there it's still like taken away from it's still misinterpreted and mm. misinterpreted in a way that works against them yeah and so she's using all of these examples to say hey there is no such thing as a universal subject no. Not everyone is able to represent their concrete experiences in a form of resistance. Mm. And therefore, we need the intellectual to be able to parlay and relay these experiences in a responsible way. And the intellectual cannot afford to be transparent mm. in the way that Foucault and Deleuze are saying that they should be. Yeah. So I think... That's interesting. That kind of, yeah, I think that's all, that's that's like a bit of a. That was a very. That's deep, like. That was a lot, that was a lot of, lot going on. Yeah. If that, now imagine me reading this. <laughs> and also like, you know, I keep telling Tanushi, cut yourself some slack. Yeah. You've got a science degree. You no, exactly. Really trained. Science degree this. derogatory. <laughs> yeah. No, science degree compassionate. Because, like, you're doing this really difficult reading that, like, at the best of times, like, I'm slamming my head against a brick wall. Mm. But, and I have... Once like, again, she's a Derridian. And I have a liberal arts degree. Yeah, she's a Derridian. Yeah. I've been trying to read some Derrida recently, and as you know, it's going to be my 13th reason. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Props to Danushi. It's Thanks. song time. Yeah, this Sometime. is Chicken Lemon this Rice by Priya Raghu, who is a new discovery that oh, I've made. She's, she's, a, she's a Tamil rapper. Check her out. Awesome. This is Bell Hooks and Jars on Radio Fodder. You're with Sam and Danushi. Welcome back. You're listening to Bell Hooks and Jars on Radio Fodder with Sam and Danushi. That was Chicken Lemon Rice by Priya Raghu. Um, so it's Woo-hoo. time for the fun section. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. sorry besties it's going to be a little bit short because we are running out of time but 
what we've got to discuss today, I, Janushi, just a quick question. Did you actually Can end I... up watching Bridgerton? No, but, no, because I was too busy reading Spivak. So but I've seen the whole thing. Yeah, so you have so, done your research. I've done that research, yeah. Yes. How about I... Should I, I say the context up? for Bridgerton? How Can I set you up and then you yeah. can go? You can go, 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 go. Okay, so cool. essentially leading on from Spivak, we have, we need to represent these people, mm-hmm. right? And she's saying we can't, however, represent them by assimilating them into... Mm the western mm. subject so we and that's can't... foreshadowing dun, 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 dun. yes so yeah. what she's saying is because of again the global division of labor where a lot of the um knowledge is held in the west we can't use these same knowledges mm. to represent these peoples because yeah. in doing so we would assimilate them and reduce their experiences yeah so i you know what i'm gonna say say it we've got a good representation and i think we've got a bad representation correct Mm -hmm. me if i'm wrong but i think that bend it like beckham is a movie it's so good and the reason that it's so good is that it it came from a time that was before this i identity politics yes politics no it, it and came also from... it's it was written by south asian women yes who also and, did yeah. did angus thumbs in the perfect snuggie oh icon yeah and also yeah bring yeah. um just a little personal story Kira knightley mm-hmm. was definitely my lesbian awakening yeah um so true Kira knightley first but thing, I, like her lesbian but I thought she was, was a Pisces. Pisces. Um, exactly. Uh, so, uh, yeah, her in the, like, corset fainting in Pirates of the Caribbean, mm. that's unmatchable. Also her as Padme's decoy in the first Star Wars movie, that was really my first intro into Kira Knightley. And then mm. it's really been downhill since there. Um, and then there was Atonement. The and atonement. Were... Um, a Dangerous Method never seen it oh that's about freud treating a woman no way yeah no way i watched that when i was 14 it was a real foreshadow of things to come (laughs) it was when i was in my cinema era and i was watching Mm. things on sbs on demand a lot (laughs) um but yeah i think so now we've covered our great great version of how you know representing Mm -hmm. south asian woman's story Mm-hmm. We're not going to really go into it because we don't have time for and, uh, Bend It Like Beckham. Just go watch it. It's great. Mm. Um, but we've got a bad. We agree it's a bad one. Sorry, besties, if you disagree, sorry to ruin your life. But um, we didn't like Bridgerton. Well, yeah, I didn't like the idea of Bridgerton. And Danushi didn't Sam, watch it. Yeah. I did not. Like, I got the vibe. Like, I've seen enough on the internet against my yeah. will to get a vibe of what Bridgerton yeah. was and so, is. Uh, this season of Bridgerton that has come out recently, firstly, we're not dissing Shonda Rhimes. She seems like a queen. Yeah. I'm into Shondaland. Let's keep it happening. But um, 
this season of Bridgerton, we are introduced to Kate Sharma and her sister, also called, also surnamed Sharma. And their tragic backstory is that they're Indian. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, But also it's this like thing of like, their grandmother is Indian and married a white guy whose account, whose, their daughter didn't, now this is an interesting one. She didn't want to get arranged married and she married an Indian guy instead of a white guy. Oh, wait. Get arranged married uh, a white guy. Wow. <laughs> and so she married an Indian guy for love. Now that's a real turn in what the narrative usually is with mm-hmm. South Asian people. Um, Maybe this is kind of um, <laughs> woke colonizing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so they go back to India and then they come back to England and Kate's little sister needs to get married so that they can it's like they've got to get some they've got to get money to survive from their mother's grand their mother's parents but their own the parents will only agree to that if the little sister marries a man of Means. Uh, means and um, who, uh, and title. So okay. that's that's like the framing. Um, and I don't know the representation of them is firstly like now what I didn't want was the quote unquote saris that Pavati and Padma Patel wore to the mm-hmm. ball in the fourth Harry Potter movie. Um, I'm going to put them on the Instagram carousel for this episode. Yeah, no, you have to. I'm going to put those pics on there. Um, but I didn't want that. But I also didn't want um, these, like, Regency-era gowns with a bit of traditional Indian beading on them mm. to be like the extent of their Indianness and um, them talking to each other in Indian accents but in English when they're alone, when there aren't white people around, to be the extent of their Indianness, you know? Mm. And also, like, I know we are, in Shondaland, we are pretending that... um, (laughs) Post-racial. That it's a post-racial world but they're still keeping in aspects of racialization mm. and yeah. But, yeah, then, yeah but then being like oh no it's totally legit that um south asian people could be in the court no yeah um yeah and also so, mm. yeah it's just i very much feel like they erased their culture Mm. for the sake of being like representation yeah it's representation but at what cost because it's not an authentic representation of anyone yeah and if you wanted to do the whole post-racial thing why set it in in the regency period it makes no sense like well you know i think there could have been a way of going about this 
I don't know. Maybe. It's a bit of a, it's a bit of a, I don't know. I feel like it's a bit of a double bind because what way could we have represented anyone who wasn't white in this era and still have been yeah, because loyal it's not to like, who they actually are? You know yeah, what? Actually, I am actually going to give a, a, another perhaps better representation of mm-hmm. race from this era it's actually set earlier set in the 1730s uh you know i've been watching a lot of outlander Mm -hmm. outlander season one is set in scotland colonized scotland sovereignty has yet to be ceded to scotland either Mm -hmm. Um, and it is about like the last um leading up to the last uh like battle between the British army against the Highlander army that basically Mm. all the Highlanders got killed in that Mm. and now there's no Highlander culture Mm -hmm. in Scotland Mm -hmm. um and they took all their manners and yeah that's that but then season two is about France and then season three is about they go to the West Indies Mm-hmm. They come in, into contact with the slave trade mm-hmm. um, because, oh, like Jamie, the main character who's Scottish, his nephew gets accidentally sold into white <laughs> slavery. Sorry, I shouldn't have laughed. <laughs> um, but, like, I think the thing with Outlander is that even though... It's not, I, I don't, I just don't know if doing a post-racial take of that era is ever helpful. No, because it almost just sanitizes the absolute brutality of that mm. period in time. And, like, it's, it's not, I'm not saying we need another slave movie. No, I and don't I'm want not another saying we slave. Need, no, but I'm, not, I'm saying maybe this is not it. How about we just... Mm. Like, why are we stuck in history? Why can't we imagine, reimagine well, new futures for these people? Yeah. Like, I, as in, why? Yeah, yeah you get what that's, I mean. or, I don't know. Just like, if you're gonna have, I, yeah. I have fantasy land, um, post racial Regency England, but yeah. you're gonna sprinkle in a little bit of, historical accuracy yeah it it gets weird because it's like well as soon as you start asking the questions of like how are these people wealthy yeah when you read Jane Austen you know these people are wealthy because often and they talked about this in Jane Eyre and we read a Spivak paper that talked about Jane Eyre as well um but in Jane Austen I can't remember who it is I think it's in Northanger Abbey um, somebody there is explicitly in the text wealthy because he owns a cotton field in the West Indies. Yes. Yes. So and, as mm-hmm. soon as, and that's that's the same era. As soon as yes. you, if you're going to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. If we had have not addressed the race at all. Mm. And just made it like, oh, 
there are Indian people here. There are more than, you know, other ethnicities as well. <laughs> Maybe that would have worked better. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I agree. And my take here is I don't think reimagining the Regency period as, as post-racial is the serve that you think it is. It's not giving what it was meant to give no. because what it's just almost a slap in the face mm. to people that are of um from post-colonial nations as yeah as to say that hey it was still the col- colonialism was still beautiful look at their dresses <laughs> Look at what yeah. they're wearing. Look at what they were wearing whilst they yeah. killed your ancestors. And something, Isn't the other pretty? interesting thing that we were talking about in preparation for this, I told Danushi about um, Kathy Hay and her mm. dress mm. dilemma. Um, that's a, I'll link some videos in the show notes that go over the whole drama, but that was a some costume costuming mm. youtube drama where this creator kathy hay was planning to make this dress um that was it was a worth dress um worth was the first couturier ever to exist and it's interesting that we're talking about this on the met gala happened today um mm. we should do it we should do a react we will, obviously. We'll, we'll do a react. Um, yeah. But Worth, so far, all I can say is, mm, looks I, like shit. I haven't looked at any of them because I'm scared. Oh, okay. Um, I've just seen against my will, but keep yeah. going, Sam. Um, yeah, so she was making this dress that had been worn by the, like, governor of India's wife or whatever the dude in charge of the colony of India, his mm. wife um, wore this dress to this gala that was about, like, oh, look at how good we are at colonising India. We've made so much money out of it. Um, and it was beaded by, in the traditional beading method, by Indian people, and then the the... This is the original dress. The dress was sent back to Worth in, um, well, the fabric was sent back to Worth in Paris and he built it and then he sent it back to India. Um, so she was making this dress today, not really acknowledging. She was just doing it to be like, oh, isn't this so pretty? Um, and then, and then people were saying to her, hey, this is kind of like a, a representation of colonialism and she was like mm, I choose to not hear I pretend Suddenly I, I can't hear. read yeah exactly and so she kept like going on about this dress and then like a series of things happened and eventually like she, I don't think she's making it anymore but she's never addressed it <laughs> addressed and, it yeah addressed it um and She's never addressed all the people that were saying, hey, you're doing really damaging shit right now. Mm. So that's Kathy Hay in the Worth dress. Um, yep, and that's, that's our thoughts on Bridgerton. Yeah, 
to be honest, like our thoughts are just. I think if you want to watch something from that's set in that era, Emma, Emma twenty twenty mm. is yes so, so freaking good. It's so freaking good, and we love Anya Taylor Joy. Yeah, or if you want to watch, if you want to watch something set in that era, that's um not so um isn't quite because the other thing about uh Bridgerton is it's very loose with historical accuracy not just in Mm. general of it but also like outfits and it's like it's like it's set in the regency era but it's really not it's not it's not at all um so if you want something that plays a bit fast and loose with um dress accuracy uh the pride and prejudice with our fave Kira knightley so true maybe you could do a back-to-back Kira knightley like uh bend it like beckham straight into pride and prejudice and then finish with atonement yeah 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 Oh my god that's Slay. our thoughts on that yeah i think what yeah. are we done i think we're done let's, i'm pretty tired yeah let's throw to a song and yeah um, the final so song the final song so we've talked a lot about um bad representation now the song that we are about to play can i just is, preface but- this with saying um pull up in a monster so, yeah, Bill gangster Stop. with a bad bitch, bad bitch that, that came from, that came from Sri Lanka. And we're not talking and who's about that me. bad bitch. It's not to MIA. <laughs> it's MIA. MIA and paper um, planes. Paper planes, which is actually a song it's a, about it's a slap. It's a Perfect. slap, and it's also a song about the uh, intense racial relations in Sri Lanka and the ethnic cleansing of the Tamil people. I've never actually listened to the lyrics. I'm just there for the all I want to do is and and take your money. She's so good. She's so good. Here's MIA, Paper Planes, with Sam Danucci on Bell Hooks and Jars on Radio Butter. Oh, wasn't that a great song? Paper Planes by MIA. You're with Sam Danucci. This is Bell Hooks and Jars on Radio Butter. We're just going to wrap up now. Um, mm-hmm. We hope you've enjoyed. We're both exhausted. We've had big yeah. days. Yeah. Um, I'm, like, so tired that, like, my sinuses hurt. Oh, do you know no. what I mean when I say that? No, I do. Yeah. I actually do. I yeah. actually do. We've done right. a lot of talking, so my our facial muscles and all sinuses are very yeah. tired. Um, so what do we have to say for ourselves? We have to say uh, rate review subscribe to the podcast if you're mm. listening on podcast if you're not if you're listening live um go on apple music and leave us a review <laughs> that shouldn't stop you really no. the fact that you're listening live no exactly um, um and follow us follow our twitter bell hooks mm, jars there's just an n because the word and wouldn't fit it was too many characters but it's bell oh. hooks and jars follow yeah. us on instagram Please do. We're, we're going to try to put out more. Danushi, plug your content. socials. Um, my Instagram is Dan dot sushi. Dan dot sushi, and my Instagram, my Twitter, Twitter. is Dan, Dan sushi one. one. 
Yeah. And follow us on socials because we are planning to get some guests in the mix. We are. Um, for, You can follow the podcast at bell underscore hooks underscore and underscore jars on That's Instagram. That's on Instagram. You can follow me at Buddhist underscore butler on Instagram and at Buddhist butler. That's like Judith Butler, but with a beef instead of a J on uh, Twitter. Uh, do we have mm-hmm. anything else? You can send us an email if you'd like. Bellhooks, Please do. Interact with us. At gmail.com. I we, think we are the number 75th culture, 77th culture and society. Well, hopefully 75th by next week. Yeah. But culture and culture podcast in Turkey for nothing. For nothing. Yeah. yeah. Um, you can, I think now you can send in voicemails on, uh, maybe Spotify, maybe try listening on the Anchor app. I don't know. Do what you want. Um. Figure it out. Figure it out. You can send us, you can, if you want. If they wanted to, they would, Sam. If they wanted to, they would. (laughs) So true. And, you know, if you want to, you can even, um, if you know us personally, send DM us, send us a voicemail. Um, yeah. We want, we want listener feedback. We want, um, we want. Uh, what, what are you enjoying? What's a book that's feminism or you know colonialism mm. related that you're enjoying? Recommend us some media. Recommend so us, true. recommend us some media to watch because we're running out of things for our, you know. I've watched, we, you know, we've covered Gilmore Girls, so that's, like, everything I've watched, to be honest. So true. I'm back um, on Gilmore Girls. Me too. I'm back on. We stopped for a while because we were watching Glee, but then both of us got to, like, season three, season four, and we're like, yeah. mm, I'm no. going to go back to Gilmore Girls. Yeah. I think season two, season three is where the real serve of Glee is. Yeah, and then afterwards, after the split to, like, mm. New York, it gets a bit, like, okay. Yeah. Now, this is a bit dramatic, even for Kurt. <laughs> yeah, a bit dramatic, even for Kurt. And also, can I say, as somebody who um, fought the bulimia allegations very hard for many years, the whole subplot about Marley having bulimia is mm. a bit too much. Like, yeah. they could have done that without having to show shots of her like literally like purging over a toilet we didn't need that and I don't think it was necessary to have what's her face the blonde like fueling her eating disorder we're gonna do another episode where we talk about eating disorders and I think we're gonna bring this up again should we should that be next week or no not ready for it yeah let's see next week okay I love you all Peace and love, peace and love. This has been Bell Hooks and Jaws on Radio Fodder. We are not H3H3. (laughs) Um, But peace and love. I wish we had, I wish we had that readership. Audience. Readership, readership. Let's say it. Um, (laughs) Love you all. Have a great night. Kisses.